Hey, I'm Pauline, and this is a Journey to Fulfillment podcast. Learn from awesome people who have gone through personal transformations so you can be inspired to grow, create, and live a truly fulfilling life. Welcome to the Journey to Fulfillment podcast. And today I have a special guest with me. We've recently met over Facebook and his name is Dr. Jason Wan. Welcome. Thank you for having me, Pauline. Really appreciate it. Pleasure to have you. And do you want to introduce yourself, first of all, um, to everyone? And uh, what do you do? Awesome. So, yes, I'm Dr. Jason Wan. A lot of people from Instagram, social media, they call me Dr. J. Um, reason why they call me that is because uh, it stemmed from me playing a lot of basketball and Dr. J is a very kind of like renowned basketball player. Uh, what I do for a living is I am a doctor of physical therapy. I specialize in orthopedics, which is anything muscle, ligament, joints, or nerve related. And I teach working professionals and business owners how to eliminate pain by way of teaching them how to alter their lifestyle, alter their habits, and learn pain relief strategies that are going to help them for the long term. Wow, that's really cool. Okay, so... Um... We, we're going to probably um, go into a bit of your story as well now. Um, so would you like to share, I guess, how this whole journey to um, from the beginning started for you to getting on to teaching people about pain and lifestyle and habits? Absolutely. So I had I probably had a couple transformations. Um, and I know that some people just have one transformation story. I had a couple. So the first one, I think, just stemmed from middle school, middle school. I was always into basketball. My dad forced the basketball into my hand when I was two years of age. Um, but I also ate a lot of food. I did not take care of my health. And I think a lot of kids at that age, we don't really pay attention to health that much. But in the process, though, I was also extremely ridiculed for my weight. Um, I was told that I didn't fit in. I was told that I shouldn't have made the team. But, you know, my dad knew the coach. And so a lot of that ridicule over a year and a half span, eventually something just snapped something snapped just one day where I was like, I've had it. I don't even like, I don't, I feel like I don't even have friends anymore. I was like sitting in bathrooms and I was like eating by myself. So I snapped. I literally started looking in encyclopedias. I started looking on the websites on different things about exercise and nutrition. And I did that at 11 years of age. And so at 11 years of age, I transformed my body to the point where I lost 25 pounds myself. I knew things about anatomy, exercise, kinesiology, and things in middle school at a very young age versus other people had no idea what that stuff even was. Mm -hmm. And so that was my first transformation was getting myself into such good shape on my own because of, I guess, that prove everyone wrong, stubborn mentality of really just teaching myself these things. And that kind of really stemmed into going to University of California, Davis, uh, getting into exercise biology, finding that I found a niche in terms of like helping people to get into shape and to also uh, teach them how to relieve pain by way of stretching, mobility, strength training. And that's how I became a doctor of physical therapy. Mm -hmm. um, but even rewinding that a little bit back, I had a lot of injuries. Um, I fell on my neck onto direct concrete. I tried to do a front flip off a couch. Kids do the, some stupid stuff nowadays. <laughs> and I did that. And that was the most severe pain I've ever had in my entire life. I probably could have died at the age of 12, but I, I was, you know, at seven, at, at, at seventh grade, I really, um, I, 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 I kind of sprung back. 
But over time, I got into one car accident, then I got into two car accidents. And then not only that, combined with the emotional tragedy of um, one of my family members passing away, uh, my father, um, due to colon cancer, that really culminated into a very strong and very severe chronic pain experience that I had to hide from my friends, hide from a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, my neck would bother me. Even just driving for greater than 30 minutes, pain would spread from my neck all the way down to my tailbone. It was very debilitating. Um, and that was a point where I had no idea what to do. I wasn't a doctor of physical therapy yet, but that's when I sought out a lot of different services, a lot of different manual care, like massage and chiropractic and just things that really, I start to realize now that that wasn't the thing that was going to help me long-term was relying on somebody else's hands in mm-hmm. order to get rid of the pain. And I started to put the power back into my own hands by going, by becoming a doctor of physical therapy and specializing beyond that to learn the things that I know now. So my transformation story is I went from a very fat kid at middle school, got into really good shape in high school. Um, After that, then went through a very severe chronic pain cycle where I was stuck in chronic pain for about four to five years and got myself out of pain within just a matter of a couple of weeks by way of strength training and retraining my habit and also reframing my mindset uh, to think a little bit differently about my body from I thought I was a fragile person, but then I became resilient by way of just teaching myself how to do this on my own. Mm. What an incredible and inspiring story. I guess that, you know, having several transformations along the way that would have, especially um, having all those accidents, I couldn't even imagine how someone can go through that and the amount of, you know, emotion and having to retrain. So yeah, really, um, you know, grateful that you're here and that you're okay today. Um, Absolutely. But in terms of, you know, what you've, um, you said, you mentioned about, like, you were able to take the power back um, and really, you know, take it in your responsibilities to retrain your body and your mind. Um, Talk us through that process for you, because, I mean, a lot of people can just sort of live with the pain or they don't know what to do. Um, Yeah. Can you kind of share insights into that? Absolutely. So I, I want to unveil the curtain for a lot of the people that are watching because your your podcast is all about fulfillment and becoming the best version of yourself. And I'm here to kind of display some of that. So there, there's a lot of people that go down this route of chronic pain. You know, chronic pain, the amount of people in chronic pain today outweighs COVID by 15 times. And that's, that's a lot of cases of chronic pain. Um, oh, yeah. So a lot of people, they just simply just accept the way they are. You know, I'm 40, I'm a 50 year old mom or dad, and this is just a part of life. It's just dealing with back pain because this is me getting older. They accept their way of thinking. Um, even in American, you know, American healthcare, there's this, there's this segment of healthcare called chronic pain management. And the way that it's worded, it's like, you just have to manage it. It's like, we can't get rid of it. You just have to manage the pain. So they talk about a lot of different things. They talk to you about how to reframe your mindset, but they don't really have a very holistic sense of combining habits, lifestyle training, and actually teaching the person how to relieve the pain by themselves. Yeah. I perceive that my, my, you know, my program is all about chronic pain elimination. It's getting rid of it completely and standing above the pain, not be consumed by it, but actually standing above it so that you can enjoy the activities that you love, not just manage it, not just accept it. Mm. So the way that I kind of done it and everybody's journey is going to be a little bit different. That's why we can't just, Pauline, we can't just overgeneralize and say, everybody can just take this route because each client is an individual. 
And you need to hear the individual story in order to piece together the right solution for them. Does that make sense, Pauline? Mm, like a puzzle piece because everyone's got, you know, different sides to them and different exactly. beliefs. So, yeah. Exactly. And you're kind of going into right now, like everybody's different based on their beliefs, their values, their ethnicity, uh, the you know, their previous experiences with pain. Um, everybody has different mechanisms of coping. You know, some people don't cope well with stress and then that manifests itself as neck pain or low back pain. So you, well, the way that I was able to get myself out of pain was I, I, I eventually snapped again. You know, there was that snapping moment where I was like, you know what? I cannot accept going to a practitioner week after week, just getting a reset button and feeling exactly the same. Eventually, I had to come to that realization that this is not the way to live. I cannot depend on somebody else to get mm -hmm. rid of the pain. So I started experimenting literally thousands and thousands of different protocols. I started just plugging away at performing different exercises. I started just accepting like I'm not fragile. I'm going to pick up this barbell and see what happens. I started just experimenting with things in the gym and I did all the trial and error. I probably tweaked my back. A few different times i tweaked my neck many many times and over time i started to realize what worked for my body mm. and at some point in life i started to realize that you know i don't have to fear doing an overhead press or a bench press you know it's, it used to hurt me but if i can modify if i can tweak certain parameters about the exercise i can actually convince myself and i can teach myself how to work through the pain and not just avoid pain, right? Because a lot of people have that mindset, Pauline, of mm. if it hurts, don't do it. Many yeah. people have that mindset. That I honestly think that can't be farther from the truth. If you can find a way to work through the pain or work around the pain in a very calculated manner, that is much more empowering to the person to say that I can get back to running and not have knee pain. Just, I need to modify my cadence or I need to change my shoes for that matter. Mm -hmm. Or I just need to change the way that I swing my arms or I need to strengthen my body in a way so that it's more conducive towards running. So that's mm -hmm. what I did for myself was I reframed my mindset to think of my body as less fragile, but instead be resilient. And then I started to retrain my habits where now I exercise probably about six to 10 times a day, not long routines, mm -hmm. but things that add up over time. It's like putting money into a bank account and letting that money um, incur compound. interest over time yep. and compound over time. Exactly. If I can compound these exercises over time and make it a habit, that's why I don't live in this bubble of pain anymore because exercise and stretching and strengthening has just become an innate part of my life. And that's how I got myself out of pain. Mm. Wow. Okay. So we've touched on some really interesting things here and you mentioned about mindset, you know, I'm really big on, on that as well. Of course, of course. What you said before really lit me up in terms of going through the pain. Um, you know, there's avoidance and then there's actually like confronting pain, which is something of that course. I'm, you know, in terms of the emotional side as well and any right. kind of limitations, we have to really go through the experience. So in terms of um, now, physical pain because there's differences between physical emotional and you know mental all the things but they're kind of related um when someone experiences physical pain then they don't really know how to go through it because every time if they've had an injury or like you said a car accident um it hurts so so it gets to a point where obviously you've got to recover um 
but then there's a point where there's like rehab and having to to strengthen and modify to get to that stage mm-hmm. to and which requires obviously going through the pain um where do where does someone begin like do they need to get some guidance from someone to really kind of know how to start to implement this process or um because yeah. if you feel the pain you're not going to want to do it you know of course <laughs> exactly um i think that's a great question the way that you worded it um and we can go in many different directions but i'll get, i'll start off with just an example um classically because i've been through a car accident okay mm. so you have this fork in the road where you go through the car accident Obviously, there's some physical pains, like the impact of the car is actually charge your neck or charge your neck. So naturally, you're actually dealing with actual inflammatory substances that are going about the body. You know, a ligament actually got stretched out or maybe uh, maybe you got a bone contusion and there's actually bruising in the area. Mm -hmm. So there's a couple routes that you can take from here. And it depends on the type of healthcare practitioner that you seek out, too, because it depends on the person too. If there's going to be somebody that is brave, that's resilient, some people are going to go down this route. And I would say the statistics show that after a car accident, about 70% of people will immediately just get better after a few weeks mm-hmm. because of, of just natural tissue healing, right, Pauline? Tissues heal, you should get back into sports. Mm-hmm. However, if you culminate things and you compound the other factors of, let's say this is Joe, Joe got better within three weeks, but then let's say um, John, John has a family of two people. He has a wife um, that does not work and he's the breadwinner. So when he goes through an accident, he has to take off work for a couple of weeks. Mm. But if he has to take off work for a couple of weeks, then also nobody's making money. And if nobody's making money, he can't provide for his wife and his two kids. So then he gets very stressed out about it. And therefore he starts to smoke. Then he starts to drink and he's like, oh, I'm very stressed out. I don't know what to do. And I need to provide for my family. So there's a lot of these anxiety and these stress factors and all in general, also genetics and the way that that person that John was brought up versus um, the other guy that I told yeah. you about. It's a very different way that they cope mm-hmm. with their rehab. And so regardless of whether you're the more resilient person or you're the person, the 30% that goes down the chronic pain route, where after the tissue healing has happened and after no inflammation uh, is present, Mm -hmm. that person still feels that physical tension because of the many other psychosocial factors that came with it. Again, John, who could not, exactly. John that can't provide for his family. John that can't put food on the table for a couple of weeks and that very much stresses him out. So therefore his pain starts to intensify beyond the inflammatory phase. And that might actually keep him out of work longer, which then leads to even more stress and more anxiety and more feeling sorry for yourself, that feeling of helplessness. And then there's all these other pain catastrophizing behaviors that come with it. So if that makes sense, I hope that I answer your question with that example that it is very important that if you do see a doctor or you can in, in America, you can see a physical therapist directly like myself, and we can actually educate you at that sensitive period where we say, hey, Pauline, hey, John, it's okay that you're feeling this way, but what we need to do is we need to start strengthening your body. We need to start applying load to your body. Do not worry about the other factors that come with it, okay? What you need to do is you wanna focus on yourself, You want to make sure that even after the inflammatory phase, 
that you're still strength training and you're still building a lifestyle so that you fully get out of this car accident um, conundrum. Does that make Mm -hmm. sense, Sean? And so it's about empowering the person at that sensitive point, because if we miss that sensitive point, 30% can easily go down the wrong route. Does that kind of answer the question a bit? Yeah. So what I understand is that the coping mechanism has a lot of additions to that as well from the lifestyle side of things. Mm -hmm. But the vehicle is very different for everyone. Like you said, you can add on the smoking, depending on what they're experiencing, um, that can actually contribute and make maybe make the condition worse, potentially. Of course. Or, yeah. Um, other otherwise, vehicles. you could feed yourself with good nutrition, like the other guy, um, potentially, and then get better quickly. Uh, but it's not right. that straightforward, right? Is again, it's all it's all context dependent, right? It's again, it's like John versus the other dude. The other dude might be single and doesn't have a family to take care of. Maybe he makes a lot of money and he has like a lot in the bank that he doesn't Mm. have all these other features. There's just, it's just context dependent. And that's why I do believe that when it comes to developing a very good chronic pain relief program is you really need to hear the person, really empathize with them, put yourself in their shoes and really understand the person. Because if you're not going to do that as a practitioner and just be apathetic you just pass them off you just say hey pauline you're gonna get better in a couple weeks don't worry about it here's some yeah here's some pain medication take this maybe you can get some x-rays see what you look on the inside that actually in itself that puts them in that route that puts them in that negative Mm -hmm. cut negative coping type of experience yep yeah because then they can feel like it's like that process is not really helping them then they feel even more helpless potentially that they're not getting the right people on board for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Tight time um, and money. I see these are potentially limitations that like in all areas and all humans life as well. Um, but like you said, not everyone has access um, to have a practitioner, for example. Um, this is mm-hmm. where you said the education is a big part of it. Um, right. How does someone start? Cause you said that you train or you do mini exercises like six to seven times a day. So that yeah. if someone hears that, like for me, I'm like, wow, that's a lot. Like, especially if, if I'm in chronic pain, um, that's just like, I don't even kind of even begin to imagine what does that even involve? How much time, how much money do I need to allocate to get the education? Like all of these limitations will come up for me. Um, and of course, maybe for a lot of people in this experience, um, you know, certain pains, um, yeah. <laughs> where, awesome. where does someone go? Like, what, what do they even do? Like in that situation to start to have education without all these things? Of course. I think um, one thing for sure is I've spent the past, now it's been nine years of education and physical therapy. So that's a lot of years of experience under my belt. My job as a, a coach and a physical therapist is to get you out of pain as fast as possible. And so I'm here to consolidate nine years of information and actually being in the person's shoes, me, myself, dealing with chronic pain myself and consolidating that into one cohesive plan. Mm. So my first take on a person that's like, okay, I want education. I need to learn this stuff as fast as possible. Yeah. You're going to have to invest in a coach, right? It's like people that want to invest in you as like a wellness coach or somebody that's going to guide them. They're going to say, hey, Pauline, I like your content. I love this thing that you stand for. I'm going to hire you as a coach mm-hmm. and, and actually streamline the process so I don't have to learn all this stuff myself for years on end. Mm. 
that's where I would start first is admitting to yourself that, yeah, it might take a little bit of a monetary investment to invest in my program or your program, but that's worth it to you. If you can streamline the process, expedite things. And for, for both our ends, we're both like kind of health and wellness coaches is to streamline that process and make it a part of your life. Right. And therefore you get back to work as fast as possible and you can make money. You don't have to take days off work um, because you're in pain. So you have to think of it as like a long-term investment type thing mm. where, you know, you want to streamline the process. You want to educate yourself. If you don't want to learn all the stuff and save uh, thousands of Instagram videos or like, save a bunch of blocks. Yeah. Learn it from somebody else that's actually done. The, that's actually done the work. That's actually gone to school for it. Um, that's mm. maybe where I would start. Other things are, you know, you, you have a lot of like free available tools. I encourage people to look at all the free stuff available. If possible, you can consolidate your own plan. If you can get yourself into a point where you do it by yourself, I'm all for that. That's what my program is about is to teach people how to do it themselves and to not see me for the rest of their life. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Cool. So that's um, really handy. So we'll make sure we'll get people connected to you if they need to get a plan streamlined. Um, sure. Interestingly, you mentioned twice in this conversation about snap, getting to that snap point. Um, mm -hmm. Does it necessarily let people have to get to a snap point or, you know, um, yeah. What, what's the Absolutely. snap that you're talking about? Yeah. I don't, I don't want anybody to get to the snap point, you know, like I, I think that the snap points are when it comes to the two transformations I had, which was like going from like a very overweight kid to a very athletic version of myself and going from chronic pain to now I, I don't deal with pain anymore. And I can just do things that I love. I don't want people to get to that point where they're at their absolute low and then they do something about it. And so I always say like, hey, if you're a client of mine or you're considering doing a program with me, you don't wanna to get to that point where you have to react to the pain, where the pain is so debilitating that we're starting backwards. Mm -hmm. We wanna just start at the starting be point. Be proactive, so, right? Exactly, be proactive. There's a, something called like injury prevention or pain prevention. Mm. And that's all about teaching you how to stay strong enough, how to make yourself resilient so you never have to get to that point where you tear a tendon or you tear a labrum or you herniate a disc. If your body's strong enough, you can prevent that from occurring and prevent yourself from going down a route where you get injection, surgery, go down this pain medication route, which becomes a lot more expensive in the long run. Mm -hmm. So prevention, at least from a U.S. standpoint, is it's not sexy. We don't get reimbursed very well for preventative things. We are, we are only doing good at curing. So when the person has already herniated a disc, that's when we provide the care. We provide pain medication. We provide mm -hmm. x-rays and MRIs to see what's going on on the inside. Mm -hmm. And again, that type of model of care, I don't necessarily agree with because then you're starting backwards again once, uh, like I said, and you're starting at a point where you're very debilitated and now you have to work backwards for getting you to where you want to be. And that's just a much that's longer harder, process. Isn't it? That's a like rock bottom a, to having to rebuild your body and mind and everything. It's an absolute uphill battle that you're yeah. fighting and it just becomes that much harder. And like, you're, you're looking at this big mountain in front of you. You're like, okay, I want to get to the top of the mountain. That's the, my final destination. But if you're starting from like the deep troughs of the valley and you're looking up this mountain, you're like, oh my God, like, how am I even going to get there? Mm. Um, and a lot of people just give up halfway, right? They don't actually put the spikes into the mountain to actually create those, like create those anchor points. 
where if they fall down, they just start at the anchor point. Too many people that just look at the mountain and they're like, you know what? That seems way too treacherous. I'm not even going to try it all. Mm, and that's yeah. why people are so stuck in chronic pain all the time. Mm-hmm. So if we want to, let's delve into the to prevention side of things as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you were talking, I was thinking about when I had um, a severe knee, knee injury. So that was probably my a snap point. I, I stopped running for like many years. Um, I'm gotcha. thinking even before getting to that point, like, you know, take it, average it out a bit where people might feel that it's a, it's a time where there is something that's aching or niggling at them. So that probably begins, you know, the process of some kind of signal of pain. Um, that, at that point, before anything sort of snaps or gets out of control, I would, I would think for myself as well that that would be a good point to start to do the prevention therapies or whatever it is, strengthening before yep. so that you are more resilient. Um, yeah, do you have sort of um, any more insight into at which point does someone go, okay, like, you know, let's start some kind of strengthening because I know I'm weak in this area. Yeah. Sure. Do you, do, would you like to know like what I would actually do in that situation if things started to kind of ache or you didn't want that to, to get worse or yeah. it's like, like without yeah. someone maybe like, cause when we're in prevention mode or we're starting to feel some pain, we're likely not to tell anyone or we yeah. might just, you know, you just start to complain like, oh, my back hurts or my knee's got this ache. I'm walking today. Like I've got all these things that happened to me before. That's why I'm speaking from experience, but um, it's not necessarily that I actually go and do something about it. Um, mm-hmm you know, at that point or seek a practitioner support. But at that stage, mm-hmm. I think it would be beneficial to actually just start to do some things so that I don't get injured. Um, yeah. yeah. So any recommendations as to, you know, like a, when should I, when should someone start to um, do that or think yeah. about strength conditioning? Yeah. And I'll, I'll even dive into some specifics because I want to give you know, your viewers, like all, all the good stuff, if, if, if possible. So one, I mean, yeah, you can clearly, uh, you can clearly like go to a physical therapist or go to somebody in your area that can kind of help you strengthen. I mean, a good, a good place. And he, he, I hope that physical therapists and personal trainers have a good, um, kind of like mutual agreements that like when people get injured, the, the personal trainers should send people to the physical therapist because we are the musculoskeletal experts and we help people with pain and injury and rehab. And then as they get, as they get better and they start to feel better, then kind of that maintenance or that strength and progressive loading phase we the physical therapist would send them back to the personal trainer to continue right. to get stronger in that sense. Uh-huh. Um, but I would say if let's say you weren't working with me and you wanted to just try some things yourself, let's say it was Pauline, your knee pain, and it started to ache after some running things that you should consider, even if not working with a physical therapist yet is start at least promoting some range of motion. If running hurts and running is a higher impact sport than walking and walking is slower impact. Don't just absolutely rest and start taking pain medication and start icing your knee. That's not being proactive. That's just using passive modalities to make it feel better. Ice feels good on anything, right? (laughs) So instead of like icing, heating, taking some Advil or some Tylenol, why don't you go out for a walk and go out for a walk that's no incline, no decline. Just go out for a simple walk and keep that knee moving. That's hundreds and thousands of steps of knee flexion, which is bending and knee extension, which is straightening. At least you're still lubricating the joints. 
even though that knee kind of hurts. Other things that you might consider are if you're somebody that's bodybuilding or you're doing a lot of squats or leg press and things, and then your knee starts to ache, or maybe your tendon starts to ache. There's something called isometrics. And isometrics, if you break down the Latin, is constant metric is length. And all that means is you're putting tension through the tendon, but there's no movement involved. So for example, if you've gone to a physical education class and they have you sit on the wall and they have you bend your knees and it's called a wall sit, mm, yeah. that is, that's an isometric exercise in itself. You're, you know, your quads start to burn. You can feel your knees start to kind of quiver, but there's no movement involved. That's an, that's a version of an isometric exercise. And what I usually recommend is that people take that as like their medication. If you do an isometric usually two to three repetitions, 20 to 60 second holds. If you hold like an isometric squat or an isometric lunge, that can almost sometimes immediately reduce pain so that you can streamline yourself back to those activities that you love much quicker than somebody that just did medication and ice. Does that mm, make sense? Yeah. So it's not really about band-aiding this, the pain as such or masking the pain. Um, or a quick fix potentially, yeah. like going to get a massage, you know, like you said, <laughs> you're going hands-on. Um, sure. But really taking the power in your hands to, from what I can tell here, it's like time under tension. So whether it's uh-huh. the isolating, personal training talk. There <laughs> you go, the I is- like it. The isolated, isolation, um, so there's some tension there, no movement as mm-hmm. one to address the pain or at least feel the pain anyway, feel the burn. Um, And also modifying the impact of the exercise or the type of exercise, if there's the ache or the pain, but not not totally not doing anything about it. You're absolutely right. There's a difference between absolute rest and relative rest. I teach this a lot to my clients. Absolute rest is Pauline, you admit that Running hurts right now. I'm just going to sit on the couch and watch Netflix. That's absolute rest. Mm. And little do people know that while it feels better, you're kind of like unweighting your knee. That makes you weaker. And that also makes you less empowered to get back into running, right? Some people take like the six-month hiatus. And by that time, everything is starting to ache. Your knee pain translates to your hips and then your hip and then your low back starts to hurt, right? Mm. So instead of that, you can easily go down a route where you empower yourself you perform isometrics a few times a day. You start to put actual isometric load and stress into that knee mm-hmm. to make it stronger, to make it more resilient. If that starts to bother you, there's still easily a lot of ways to modify symptoms. What I always tell my clients is you modify the exercise, you modify the activity as much as you can. And when you've exhausted all your modifications and it still hurts, that might give you the inclination that I can absolutely just rest, but rarely do you have to even get to that point ever. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what's your take on stress? Cause you said like, you know, like in terms of load and stress on Mm -hmm. like the, the area of pain, um, Mm -hmm. when I hear stress or when stress comes to mind, something negative comes up potentially but it's like oh like it's that thing of if it causes me pain or it causes me stress or it's heavier than I'm used to I'm I'm not going to go there right I just avoid it altogether yeah um 
do you have a reframe on stress? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'll, I'll take it from two, two points of view. One is this myth about if it hurts, don't do it, which is, man, 90% of par- parents, workers, professionals, clinicians, doctors, everyone says if it hurts, don't do it. And I, quite frankly, I disagree in most cases. I do think that you should work through pain to some degree or find workarounds. If it's your knee that hurts and your knee is so bothersome, at least strengthen your hip or strengthen your core. And that might bleed into your knee feeling better. Like Mm. it's as simple as that, you know, doing a plank or doing a side plank, for example, might help your knee pain because there's this thing called regional interdependence where you strengthen areas above and below the area of pain and that specific joints might actually start to feel better. So the other aspect besides if it hurts, don't do it. And reframing that type of mindset, like shifting your beliefs from if it hurts, I need to avoid shift your beliefs to empower yourself to work through it to some degree. And then stress, what I would tell all the viewers here is to reframe stress as not a negative with a negative connotation. Stress is a good thing. Stress in moderation. I think there is like the Dodson your curve where there's a specific optimal amount of stress. There's like these three humps and too little stress, which is like you, Pauline, maybe like unweighting yourself completely and just resting and watching Netflix, hmm. unweighting yourself and doing too little stress leads to negative adaptations. Your muscles will get weaker. Your endurance will decrease. You may not even get back to the sport because you're not actually stressing out your knee. Optimal stress, which is I'm still going to work through the pain. I'm going to find some ways to modify my symptoms, still get through some weighted squats and strengthen my knee. And then you have the other side of the spectrum, which is way too much stress, which then leads to knee inflammation, your tendon feeling worse. Mm. Okay. So there's an optimal amount of stress and stress is neither negative or positive. I mean, you can look at it that way. There is negative stress, like anxiety type stress. Mm -hmm. And there's also negative stress where, you know, you're doing a, you're doing, you're running a marathon and you only practice two miles, right? That's way too much stress. And that could be perceived as negative, Mm. but perceive stress more in a neutral connotation where the right amount of stress creates tissue adaptations and makes you a more resilient version of yourself. Negative stress, if it's too little, it's going to be underwhelming, boring. You're actually might get weaker and and stiffer. Mm. And then the other side of the curve, which is too much stress can create a catastrophic injury or it can cause tendonitis or it can cause something to break down. If that makes sense to the viewers is that perceived stress in a more neutral connotation where stress is actually a good thing if applied with the right calculated amounts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it probably just requires quite a lot of um, education. Like you said, if there's pain in the knee region, for example, knowing like what is connected, obviously our whole body is interconnected, but knowing maybe potentially where are the, the areas of the body that could um alleviate that stress or if enhance in other areas could actually also um, reduce, reduce the tension on the knee or, you know, that kind of thing, support the knee. Just an example. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So regional interdependence is, is a huge thing where, um, you know, it doesn't matter how much something hurts, but if you can actually work other areas adjacent to the pain, like if my neck hurts so much and I don't even want to move it, at minimum, you can like move your shoulders, you can move your thoracic spine, you can take, you could do deep breathing, you can meditate, you can get other areas moving around the pain, 
so that the pain area starts to feel better. I think that's why some people are just very averse to like, okay, that specific area hurts. I don't want to move it. Well, that's fine, but at least get other areas moving and Mm. work yourself through the pain instead. Yeah. And would you say it's kind of like when you said the adjacent areas, is that more like kind of equalizing or helping to have some harmony within with the areas around the pain potentially? Because otherwise it gets imbalanced, right? Because if you're not using one area, then and you're not using any of the other areas, then that's just it gets more debilitating in a sense. Yeah, I don't I don't truly believe that imbalances is the cause of pain. I also right. don't think that asymmetries is also the cause of pain because I'll give you an example. I know plenty of people in this world that have mild to severe scoliosis, scoliosis being that S curve. Mm-hmm. And some people live with a lot of pain, but some people have such crazy S curve, supposedly dysfunctional looking spines, and they don't deal with any pain at all. They're still able to run, they're still able to fish and do all the things that they love. So mm-hmm. it's not always asymmetries and imbalance. That's the cause of pain. Now, if you're saying, for example, let's go back to running, for example, if it's your knee that hurts, and then we start to, if I start to do some functional tests, I see how you move, and I start to see that there's some deficiencies in your hip or your ankle looks a little bit unstable, that's not always the case to say that strengthening the hip was, or like having a weaker hip was the cause of the knee pain. It's like the chicken Mm -hmm. or the egg. The knee started to hurt. And therefore you just didn't want to put weight into that leg. And then the hip got weak in the process. Mm. Or was it a previous hip injury, which then translated to having knee pain? It's like the chicken or the egg, which one came first? We're never exactly sure of that. But what we do know is that strengthening areas adjacent or mobilizing areas adjacent to the pain, almost 90% of the time works every single time. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So like you said, it's very individual. And if, if anyone is sort of having any issues that gets more severe, they really have to get themselves checked out to see, well, what is the cause and, you know, get some clear advice or education around how to actually remedy that as well. Yeah. 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 What about on a broader spectrum, like apart from the physical side of things in terms of um, helping to, in terms of prevention, you said, do you also educate on other things like you said, lifestyle and habits? Um, is there anything in there that people should be aware of as well? I think so. So I think why I quit the corporate side of physical therapy is I wanted to give more to my clients. Instead of seeing 14 to 16 patients a day and myself being exhausted, and not remembering the names of all my clients because I have way too many clients. I wanted to create an online platform where people felt truly understood and also can work on the lifestyle changes. In corporate physical therapy, you can't really bill for retraining habits. Mm -hmm. Habits is not something that normal physical therapists work on. However, I wanted to give more on how I was truly able to eliminate years of pain by myself And that's not just by way of teaching exercises or like cracking somebody's back. And while all those things are great and that's part of physical therapy, the other aspect that's huge that might actually be the true root cause, the root cause might not be a weak hip. The root cause might be Pauline sits way too much, eight hours a day, and Mm -hmm. that causes the hip discomfort. So we need to retrain her habits to get out of the chair every hour. 
or we need to retrain her habits where after she closes down the laptop, she's immediately doing glute and core strengthening afterwards to continue to make her body stronger and make sure that this chronic pain in her hip or her knee does not get worse. So aspects of how I train my clients is really keeping them accountable, understanding what is their lifestyle. I, I listen to what equipment you have. What are you the things that you actually do throughout the day? Okay, you have kids. Do you still pick them up? Do you do a lot of groceries? How much other activities of daily living do you do outside of your normal work? And when you hear all those things, mm. you're then able to come to an agreement and make sure that you guys are in alignment with, okay, this is where you're going to fit in your mobility exercise. You're going to do this X times a day at work. Then after work, you can do these things. So you start to create that lifestyle where it seems like, yes, it seems like a lot of exercise. That's what you said. It's like, wow, mm. five to seven times a day. Why would I even do that? But if you make it a habit, you don't even need to use motivation or willpower to actually do those exercises. It just becomes a natural, innate, subconscious part of your life. Mm. That is what I teach so that it does not matter how crazy life gets. It doesn't. Mm -hmm. As long as you have exercise inevitable, that always stays as a priority that's when you have that true physical transformation in which you never have to go backwards ever again. Mm, very empowering. Yeah, because I think sometimes when people think about five to seven times a day, they're thinking in sessions, like I would. Yep. I would be like, oh, wow, like, do I have to go to the gym like five to seven times a day? <laughs> um, mm -hmm. But these could just be simple, practical exercises that you can do in between um, your daily life, isn't it? Like could be yeah. a few seconds, could be a few minutes, like a here, an area and here, um, something that's convenient for them. Mm -hmm. No yeah. doubt. I mean, when you're piecing together, like, okay, I know Pauline sits for eight hours a day creating podcasts and her neck starts to hurt at the end of the day. So we discussed that. We're like, hey, after each time that you're on a Zoom call with your clients, okay, this is, you're going to knock out a two to three minute mobility routine. Okay. 168 hours out of the week. And you can at least afford two minutes to do something that's going to be, that's going to compound over time. I can't stress that enough. Compounding mm. these two minute routines, six to eight times a day. How much better are you going to feel when you're 50, 60, 70 years of age? If you start to ingrain these things early in life, instead mm. of regretting it when you're in your 60s and you're like, I haven't stretched in 30, 40 years. Mm -hmm. It's a very different when you've ingrained these things into your life that makes the overall difference that saves healthcare costs billions of dollars mm -hmm. um and make sure that people don't rely on a practitioner ever again my, my goal is to see people as little as possible and to see them way less and if i never see them again that means that i did my my job as a practitioner that actually changed their lifestyle instead of just giving them like a generic set of exercises does that make sense mm. yeah yeah, exactly. Because I mean, as you get older, like you said, we all sort of start to debilitate and um, it gets harder to be able to prevent from certain injuries because it might get to the stage where it is about more about the treatment and the cure, you know, when you're like, yep. depending on how severe the, the body is. Um, okay. And so you're talking a lot about, um, you know, your like how you would do the, the lifestyle audit and it seems like it's a lot more holistic. Um, what are you sort of working on these days? So I've worked on a couple of different things already. 
Um, one thing that I'm trying to do, uh, things that are already a staple is that I always send out emails. I always sell it, send out Instagram stuff, uh, either whether it's exercises or shifting people's beliefs into learning how to, again, integrate these things into their life. That's what I'm really big on. Um, other products that I've done, I mean, I've created like an online course for my clients and it's only a client only type course. Um, I'm working on getting like publications with like BuzzFeed and Thrive Global and a bunch of other publications. I want to get my message out there because I think that this is a unique set of healthcare that a lot of practitioners aren't really looking into, right? A lot of people aren't looking into injury prevention, um, creating the lifestyle. We're all about, okay, what's the next best synthetic drug that I can make, okay? Mm -hmm. And that, that's a means to an end. Like people rely on those things to get addicted to these things. I want to change things in a way where people create that lifestyle and chronic pain is out of their life for good, or at least they're not ever being consumed by it anymore. Um, these are some things that I'm working on. It's just like, you know, I, I, I'm creating out blogs. I want to create out more video mediums, like on YouTube and things over time. Mm -hmm. And uh, I want to give people more of myself. You know, I'm doing a lot of live streams. I created a Facebook group where I do weekly live streams just to like get to know people, ask, answer people's questions. Those are some things that I've already worked on already, but I still want to continue to give more on different mediums. Mm -hmm. Great. So, in, so where can people find out or, you know, more about your work or connect with you if they wanted to get in touch? Yeah, if you wanted to just start somewhere and just see like what I do, um, easily Instagram is probably my largest following. It's flex with drj.com, uh, mm -hmm. the full word doctor and then J-A-Y. Um, if people wanted to really actually get more accountability and just get that on a free level, um, then they can go to my Facebook group, which if you just type in flex with Dr. J, uh, you type in pain relief support flex with Dr. J, mm -hmm. you'll definitely find my group and just request an invite. We'll be happy to let you in there. And also, if you just wanted like a broad scope of, you know, um, where a lot of my content is, where my blogs are currently, then just go easily, just go to flexwithdrj.com mm -hmm. and you can book in for a, a free call with me. I don't, you know, no, no sales pressure. I just like to understand people's situation and at least give people direction. I always want to leave people better than when they started the conversation. And that's what's big with me is. I don't care if people become my client, as long as I'm in alignment with that person, I fully understand them and at least provide them some direction. Mm, yeah. And um, definitely uh, send me over the links and we can drop them in the show notes for everyone as well. Of course. And finally, I'd like to ask um, my guests two, two questions. Um, <laughs> so the first one is, what does fulfillment mean to you at this stage of your life? Ooh, it's a good one. I think... Fulfillment to me is continuing to give more of myself than receiving. I, I do believe that if you want to feel truly fulfilled, that one, you need to like live the lifestyle that people are actually like looking at from a broad scope. Like if people want to get out of pain, I need to also preach what I teach as well. And I do need to fulfill the needs of every single person that comes my way. So whether it's a person that never becomes my client, but at least I can put them in the right direction is that I'm going to leave a lasting impact on their life in some way or form, give them my very best, either it's through a direct message or I'm having a Zoom call with them, is to give them my all and to leave the world in a much better place. I mean, I think Steve Jobs had a really good, and I might butcher this quote, but you know, he said that the people that are, I think the people that are crazy enough to change the world are the ones that are actually going to do it. And I, I do truly mm -hmm. feel that 
as a big sector of chronic pain where there's billions of people that are suffering in chronic pain that I want to lead the world in a better place. Again, whether that's through my social media content or them becoming my client, that is what fulfillment means to me personally. Mm, that's beautiful. And um, I love that you said that, yeah, it's the people who want to make the change actually do because they, they set out to do it. As Absolutely. Well. Um, awesome. And in terms of the, you mentioned about lasting impact as well, that you want to create and leave people in a better place. Let's take it to, you know, you've, you've made all your impact. You've impacted millions of lives. You've gotten heaps of people out of chronic pain. All right. So everyone's on the journey. Um, your social media content is out. You, you have like amazing clients and suddenly it becomes your last day on earth. I want you to imagine that, like you've had all the successes and everything. What would yep. be the message that you'd want to give to the world or leave to the world for the next gen? I think that from my end, I mean, if it was my last day on earth, I needed to leave one last message is for everyone to be the best version of themselves imaginable and to be always be better daily. Um, my birthday just came two days ago. Oh, happy I'm 33. Birthday. Yeah, no problem. But you know, I'm 33 years of age. And my, my motto to myself is that for every year of getting older, I want to be 1% better in many aspects of my life. 1% stronger, 1% faster, 1% better at giving more of myself to mm -hmm. the people that are following me or give 1% better at least to the clients and make sure that I'm fulfilling the needs of them, especially if they are my client. Um, I, I guess from that perspective, if it was my last day, I want to always encourage people to be the best, strongest, healthiest versions of themselves to be better daily and to never give up on themselves, you know, cause I had two transformations, um, you know, and I could have easily just given up and just say, Hey, chronic pain is just part of my life. But if you continue to work out of yourself, be resilient, be, and persevere. Um, that would be my lasting impact on this earth. And that would be my last message. Mm, that's beautiful. Yeah. And on that note, thank you so much for your time, Dr. Jason Wan or Dr. J. Um, we really appreciate all the, the wisdom and, and insights that you've given. And thanks all for tuning in until the next episode. Uh, this is Journey to Fulfillment and I'm Pauline Vong signing out. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. If you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe so you're notified when a new episode is out. Also rate and review this podcast and share it with your friends because just one insight could change someone's life for better. Now go out there and make an impact and I will catch you in the next episode.